Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Christ Supreme series, where Dr. Jones teaches verse by verse through the book of Colossians to show that Jesus Christ reigns supreme above any alternative the world offers. Now let's join him for today's message. The title of this message is Dress for Success because we're picking up in verse 12 where we left off in verse 11, going back all the way to the beginning of chapter 3, where we have taken off the old self. We have taken off the old person and we have now put on the new self, the new man. We've put on the new humanity, which is found in Christ. In this passage, he's laying out these virtues and commands of what it looks like to have put on the new self. And, and, and I, I want you to really grasp this, what we mean by put on. Recently, joking and talking with one of my ministers, Minister Ryan, we were talking about, you know, when you get dirty and filthy, you know, you've been working in the yard, your clothes are soiled and just perspiration and just dirty and nasty and painting all things on them. You take those off and you get in the shower. You know what you don't do? You don't go back and put those same clothes on. You put on clean clothes. You put on something fresh, new, so that you can walk out in the cleanliness in which you've been cleaned up to do. Actually, be a little minimalistic because we're not talking about something that can just get dirty and washed. We're talking about something that's been put to death, done away with, which is the old self. And now... We are dressed for success. We have put on Christ to now successfully walk out the purpose on which Christ has given us. Now, when I say success, I'm not talking about worldly success and worldly goals. I'm talking about the purpose in which you've been born. And I know all of us from one time to the next asking God, why am I here? Why am I in this place? Why am I able to do what I'm able to do? Why have I been put in this position? All these things, we find that we're only successful to walk in once we have put on Christ. And he acknowledges right at the beginning in verse 12. And he says, therefore, based off what was said in verse 11, remember in verse 10, he says, we put on a new self. In verse 11, he says, we're being renewed. The knowledge of God is being renewed because of our faith in Christ. Therefore, as, and I love the terminology he uses. This terminology is significant. He says, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Some of your texts may say beloved. These terms are used because he is given a specific designation of who is being addressed. Who he is talking to. And this is important to understand. We're talking about putting on a new person. We got to know who's being addressed. This is important that he makes this designation is that he is speaking specifically to followers of Jesus Christ. People who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And he wants them to understand who the one another's are as he speaks to these one another's. Meaning the following verses are primarily and initially in how we in the body of Christ relate to one another. And from there, it goes out into the world. 
Many times we want to make things right or make an impact on the world when first and foremost, we got to get things right in the body of Christ, in the family of God, in the community of faith. And these verses primarily speak to how we relate and treat one another in the faith, in the body of Christ. Because remember, he's writing to Colossians. He's writing to Gentile Christians. And he just said in verse 11, in verse 11, he says, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all in all. He's saying there is no ethnic, racial, geographical distinction when it comes to the body of Christ. We are one. And therefore, since we are his people, and then he uses this, 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 this language of Old Testament words used for the nation of Israel. God's chosen, beloved. Some translate this word elect. His holy. All these words are used for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And then even in the New Testament, it's used for the person, Jesus Christ, and now being applied to the followers of Jesus. What is it saying? See, this word chosen is not so much connected to salvation or individual election. It's for a corporate election. It's talking about a body of people that's been called to represent God on the earth. You've been chosen. You've been set apart, holy. Set holy apart for another purpose. There's another word we use sometimes called consecrated. You are, you are holy. You are set apart. you called to a higher standard. And then it says, and dearly loved, you're beloved. This is Intimate language with us and our Father in heaven. That even in the times we feel like we might have failed God, we who are followers of Jesus Christ, he calls us beloved. He calls us dearly loved. If you ever feel like somebody doesn't love and care about you, know this. God loves you dearly, deeply, intimately. He says, this is who I'm talking to, and I don't want you to be confused because I'm talking to my people. I'm talking to those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, I have a mandate for you. This mandate that we're given in the text, and he gives six commands. That's actually implicit one other one, and I'm going to deal with that. But it's, it's six commands that he gives and how this flows and what this looks like when it comes to putting on the new person, putting on the new man, putting on Christ. He gives these orders and he says, look, this is your mission. If you choose to accept, if you're going to walk out Christ-likeness, these are some things that you must do. And you know what? The kingdom is at stake. Souls are at stake because it's not just about you, but it's about how you interact and how you will affect others. It's not just an individual thing. This is a global thing. Because remember, right at the beginning of this letter, he's praising God and thanking God that the gospel is going global. It's not just you or your people group. It is going global. And he says, when you've put on the new man, this is what it looks like when you've put on Christ. And he says, the first one, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is important. It's important that he starts here. In your heart, in the seat of your person, your passions, everything that drives you. He says, what we have clothed our passions in is compassion, humility, and gentleness, and patience. It's like, hold on, those things are not fun. Because why? When people have affected me, when people have hurt me, when people have harmed me, what I most naturally want to do is to hurt them back. But he says, if we put on a new self, he says, our hearts have been changed. And the deepest space of my humanity is compassion and mercy. I'm patient with others when they've even wronged me. I will treat them gently. And it starts in my heart. I won't be destructive. I will handle them with care. We get packages from Amazon and FedEx and UPS and USPS that say fragile. And we handle them gently. But when it comes to a brother or a sister, toss them around. He says, therefore, since we are the people of God, since we are dearly loved, since we belong to him, since we are the family of God, and you've put on the new self, then what that carries is you, you've put on a new heart. And that heart affects everything else we do. And you know what? He even tells us what that looks like. He says, when we've put on this kind of heart, it leads to us bearing with one another and forgiving one another. That bearing with one another is important. It means that I'm not easily offended. Proverbs 19 says, you know, it's actually, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing, it's a virtue to be able to overlook an offense. It's like, by God, if somebody offend me and I don't have to call it out and shout and get them in trouble. He says that, no, it's actually, spiritual maturity is seen where you're not easily offended. Just, just rolls off. He says, when we've put on this heart, we're able to, to bear with one another and also forgive one another. You know, you know how freeing forgiveness is? It's so freeing because you're not walking around mad all the time. You're not walking around because remember just a few verses above, he said, we've put off malice. We've taken that off. We took off slander and anger and wrath. We took that off. And we put on this kind of heart and we're putting on this heart with this new self is that now I can look at you and I can acknowledge even when you have done wrong, I can forgive you. I'm not going to hold you to it. And you know where that forgiveness comes from? He tells us in the text, as we have been forgiven by the Lord, so also we forgive. If I need to see any kind of example for forgiveness, I got to look to me and how I have offended God. Even times where I offended God on purpose and God has still forgiven me in Jesus. Maybe we're sitting there like, I'm not God. What, what did he say? You've put on the new self. You've put on Christ. We hope this message is blessing you today. Before we continue, we want you to know about Point Ministry resources. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and subscribe to receive our Refuel devotional and view other discipleship materials. 
Our goal is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. So it's not just even in your power because naturally we want to respond, get them back. But we've put on a supernatural power by faith in Jesus Christ. We have the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to forgive even when someone doesn't deserve it. Because God has forgiven us and we have not deserved his forgiveness. We don't deserve it. We can't work off our debt to God and how we have offended him. And if you think you haven't offended him, you haven't looked at the text because things that are okay for us, things that are not that big a deal for us, he calls it sin. And while we may have levels of sin and understand how it affects people, sin is sin. And we've sinned against a holy and righteous God and he hadn't held us accountable to the point that once we've placed faith in Christ, he has removed that debt. He has erased it. He has tossed it as far as the east is from the west. So if you're having a hard time forgiving somebody, look to how God has forgiven you. Pray, talk to the Lord. Put on this heart, this heart of compassion. As I said, it's, it's six imperatives. The first one is put on this heart of compassion. Put on this kind of heart. Put on this Christ-like heart. There's an extra one implicit right in there because he says, as it leads to us forgiving, he says, we look to Christ and we forgive like Christ. It's an implicit, another, another implicit imperative, command, forgive. So if you satisfied or you trying to work and make yourself content in holding that grudge, you, you're walking in disobedience to the Lord, the the God who loves you and who saved you, the, the very one he gives his Holy Spirit to you. Forgive. And right out of that, he gives us another imperative. He says, put on love. Put on love. Put on the selfless giving of yourself for the benefit of others. Put on that. This is what we wear. This is what we characterize. This is how we present ourselves to the world. And we do this to the glory of God. These are the commands and the virtues that he is given based on the truth of God, of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us so that we can put on a Christ-like heart and we can put on love. And this love is what binds our unity. Remember, he's writing to a Gentile predominantly Gentile audience. I mean, we do know from the text and then from history that there are Jewish believers. There are what we call Messianic Jews in the community, but it's majority Gentile. And he's saying, look, our unity is found in love. The selfless given for the benefit of others. And it's not just how we feel. See, we understand love ain't just about a feeling. Love is primarily in the, the doing. Now, caring does come with love, but it's not just this feel-good, smushy, mushy type feeling all the time. No, that's not the case. And I'm saying that because it's not that every single person, especially within the body of Christ, you're just going to feel so great about. What it's saying is, even
even in those negative feelings in the moment, love overrides. And I'm going to not seek self-gratification, but I'm going to live selflessly for that person's benefit. That's love. That person's well-being, that's love. And that's what binds our unity. If we're going to have unity in the body of Christ, and if we're going to display to the world what true unity looks like from every tribe, nation, and tongue, then it's going to come from a Christ-like love which binds our unity in Christ. He says, put on this heart of Christ. And I'm summarizing all those virtues in Christ-likeness. He says, put on love. And then he says this, the peace of Christ is to rule your heart. It's like, hold on, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've put on this Christ-like heart and now the peace that is found in Christ, the, the wholeness, the, the soundness, the everything in its place, in its order, calmness is to rule my heart. And notice he says it's your heart. It doesn't say all around you, meaning in the chaos. And, and I love this, that if you want to, the, the best example of what he's talking about, the peace of Christ ruling your heart, I want you to think about four professional fishermen on the sea and it's a storm so bad that they think they're going to die four professional fishermen this is what they've done for their entire lives and there's a storm that is raised on the sea that's so bad that they truly believe they are going to die this is their death date and jesus is with them amongst the other disciples it's four professional fishermen with the other disciples jesus is with them and jesus is taking a nap in the back of the boat that's the kind of peace I want. That when the world is going crazy, I got such a calm. I have such a peace. I'm snoozing. I'm unbothered. I'm not worried. It says that's the peace that is to rule our heart. And how it rules our heart is because we know who commands the storm. Jesus got up and just told the storm, chill. Wave stop, wind stop blowing. That, that's, that's, that's my version of it. Chill, you know. <laughs> he said, hush, be still. But it, he told the winds and the waves, chill. And they just, they calm down. And they're like, who is this? And they found out, oh, you read the Psalms. This is the Lord. So if the Lord's got me, then I'm not going to be fretting over all the things that's happened around me. Because I know who holds me in his hands. I know who holds the future. I know who is in charge. And I belong to him. He says, the peace of Christ is to rule our hearts. And then right after this, without any explanation, he says, and be thankful. Now, put that in your back pocket. We're going to get back there because we're going to see a couple more times he's going to talk about gratitude and thankfulness. He says, the word of God must dwell abundantly, richly in our hearts. The word of God is to be in our hearts, is to be in us. It's to be so rooted in us that it's abundant, it's rich, it's overflowing. We got to be sowing it in us. We got to be putting it in us. So there's various ways for us to do that. Right now, you, you, you're listening to a message. I want you to listen to sermons, sound teaching. Read your scripture. 
The more you read the Bible, the more you'll recognize teaching that's not sound. But read your word. They got audio versions of the Bible. Listen to those. Fill your mind with, with, with. we got all kind of gospel music and different types of genres of sound. You like a hip-hop sound? We got Christian rap. You like a rock sound? We got Christian rock. You like R&B sound? We got Christian-style R&B. You like country sound? We got Christian-style uh, country music. We got every kind of genre of sound with the message of Christ. Fill with the word of God. Sow that into yourselves so that it may abound, so that it may fill you. And he, he even tells us, he says, how we do this is teaching and admonishing. All these different ways I just said are ways to teach and admonish. Teach, just instruct. Admonish is to give counsel, advisement, to tell what to do and what not to do. He says, this is how we're going to have the word of God in us and abound in us, be rich in us. It, it reinf it's reinforced. About his teaching and admonishing. But then it says it's, it's also reinforcing us singing. Remember, I mentioned songs. He says he wants us to sing to God in our hearts. That's a, a phrase used with, with full from our hearts, to sing to God. And it says this in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. These things are big. You know, you, you, you go through the psalms and sing a psalm. You know, you got spiritual songs. These are different ways to reinforce the word of God in us. Let it build you up. And then the last one, the last one. So we, we put on, let, let's, let's review. It's like, kind of like class, because remember I said these are the imperatives. We put on this heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We put on love. The peace of Christ is to rule our heart. Be thankful. The word of God is to dwell richly, abundantly in us. And then the last thing he says, do everything in Jesus' name. Do everything. Meaning that everything we do, everything we say, is to be representative of Jesus. Everything we say and do as followers of Jesus Christ represents our King. And the problem is this. When we misrepresent him, those who don't know Jesus have a misunderstanding of who he is. Some people have rejected Jesus because of the misrepresentations of people who, they, who say that they follow Jesus and they have believed a lie about Jesus and they have rejected a lie instead of being confronted with the truth of Christ. This is why our witness is so important. This is why we do what we do. Because one, we love our God. And we want to honor the one who saved us. And two, we know our witness is important. I want you to notice something. The singing and the doing everything in his name is right after, above where he says, be thankful. And both of these things are characterized with gratitude. We do it with thanksgiving. We do it gratefully. You know what's amazing? How do you really say thank you to somebody? You know, is thank you just the word? When you think about when you really want to show gratitude to someone, what, what, what do you do? I thought about that because when you think about our life in Christ, our life in Christ is not to try to 
earn God's favor. Our life in Christ is a life of thank you. That everything I do shows gratitude to the Lord. Everything I say shows gratitude to the Lord. That I don't even have to say with my words, thank you, Lord, which we ought to do, which we constantly do. But my life mirrors the words of my thank you. So I don't walk in disobedience as though I'm ungrateful to the one who saved me, who has delivered me, who's given me the ability and power to now walk out the purpose in which I've even been born. So you think about the Christian life and the Christian walk, you're not trying to earn anything. You're not trying to deserve anything because what we deserve is punishment and death. We are not trying to earn anything. What we do is a life of thank you. And may your feet display your faith. May your mouth, your walk, and your talk match to the point where they all constantly, consistently are saying thank you to our God. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Christ Supreme series where we learn Jesus Christ has no rival and that he reigns supreme. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Christ Supreme series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.